Thank you for listening to Hope Fellowship Church in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. We hope you enjoy our journey through the book of Acts, exploring the many powerful actions of Jesus Christ as he continues to move and teach us through his apostles by his Holy Spirit, empowering the explosion of the church to expand from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, which is you and me right here and right now, where we move from spectators to participants and join with Paul in preaching the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's now join Pastor Jordan Moody in our new series, Acts, The Movement Begins. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit hopejaffrey.org. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And then he comforted them, comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What they meant for evil, God will turn to good. The death of Jesus becomes the life for humanity and the salvation to those who would call upon his name. So often is that way in persecution, that those who mean this persecution as evil, God will work it out for good because he has predestined his plan of salvation and the building of his church will be accomplished by his people no matter what. And by taking up our crosses, we share in the sufferings with Christ. The blood of the martyrs will be the seed of the church as it's written and, and, and the surprise to us is, is that it is not so much a surprise. We're told this will come. We're told this will happen. Yet we're told the ending of the story as well. And in the end, Jesus will return and he will make all things new. And Psalm 2 tells us of that hope. You can read through Psalm 2 on your own if you'd like some time. It is a, is a powerful psalm as it gives us comfort when we face really hard things. When we face persecution and hardship, the story of Psalm 2 gives us a picture of literally God in heaven laughing at the attempts of evil and darkness to stop his plan. That God is so powerful and so big, it is as if in verse 2 of Psalm 2, he who sits in heaven laughs and the Lord holds them in derision. And ultimately, he will come in fury and destroy the evil of this world. And those who take refuge in him will be exalted. I'm reminded of a story from Psalm 2 that I um, preached on a few months ago when we went through the story of David. We were in 2 Samuel, and we were in 2 Samuel 8 and 9 and 10. And it gives us a storyline that reflects the, the ideas we're speaking about today and in Psalm 2. For in Psalm 2, it says, kiss the son, lest he be angry. The kiss the son means almost kiss the ring in a sense of pay homage to the king. Bow down and respect the king. For wisdom is found in those who respect the king and respect the Lord's almighty. But foolishness and destruction and wrath is waiting for those who reject the king and go against the anointed one. So he's saying, be wise, don't be stupid. For God is far greater and far powerful. And there's an Old Testament story, 2 Samuel 9, speaks of Mephibosheth. Do you guys remember Mephibosheth? He was one who was crippled. He was unable to walk. He was Jonathan's son. He was crippled at a young age. He was unable to care for himself. And David was ascending to the throne. And it would have been normal for David to kill off any of the heirs of Saul, and especially Jonathan, as they could have potentially taken his throne. But David, instead of killing off the heirs to the throne, takes Mephibosheth, which is Jonathan's son, and he welcomes him into the table and into his own family and adopts him as one of the king's son. But Mephibosheth, when he first meets David, he falls down and pays homage and respects the anointed one, David. 
And it is in that aspect of honor, and he goes outlandish ways almost to honor and respect David. David receives that and honors him. In the very next chapter, in 2 Samuel chapter 10, there's a foreign king, king um, uh, of the Ammonites. And the Ammonites, his father, David hears that this king's son, father, the king of the Ammonites has died. So David sends messengers to the Ammonite kings to, to say, I'm sorry, your father has died. Here's uh, my condolences. And that king's son takes those messengers and he mocks the anointed one and mocks King David. And he actually cuts the beards off of these men, cuts their clothing in half and sends them home half naked to return and, and, ex- and treat them with utter disrespect. And you know what, what happens potentially at the end of that story. There is a response of David and the Lord's people to bring justice upon that aspect of affront to the anointed one of God. And so judgment comes upon the anointed people. The whole idea, the whole question for us is a greater and grander picture. That as we are presented with a source of things, it is what side are we choosing? Whose side are you on? This is what Moses asks of the people in the Old Testament. Whose side are you on? Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. And if you take refuge in the Lord, he will provide forgiveness and salvation. But if you reject the Lord, there is judgment and wrath waiting for you. And the decision is placed in front of us that God is sovereign. He is overall. His plan will be accomplished. The question that we're left with is are we following him? Have we paid homage to him? Is he your king? As Peter says in his sermon, this Jesus, he is either your, he must be your Lord and Messiah. That that is the decision. Is he that for you? So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and you will be exalted. Humble yourselves and no matter what you may face, no matter what persecution may come against you, what, no matter what temporary suffering might come in our way, none of that will accomplish and, thwart, uh, and destroy and thwart the plan of God. God's plan will be accomplished no matter what. And so as we follow him and we trust him, we know that the nations will rage against him, but he will not be stopped. And yet we come to the ending here, and as it says in, in really this Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31, the final point here is that let's petition God to help us. They, they petition, they pray, Lord, we have some requests. We know you're sovereign, we know you have a plan, we know we're trusting your mighty hand no matter what. We know we're on your side and we are praising you and thanking you for that. Thank you, Lord. But God, would you... <laughs> Have you ever done that? Verse 29, would you help me? Look at verse 29 as it says, and the Lord look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness. Look at that, verse 29, see that? It's like, Lord, would you help me? This is the request portion. Please help me. Notice their threats, he says. Like, would, did you know what they said? <laughs> would you look at what they threatened to do to us? The warnings that they gave to us to not speak in the name of Jesus? Lord, Now they don't say take it all away and avoid this persecution. Rather what they say is help us to endure it. Grant us boldness to speak through the persecution. You notice that? They don't say, Lord, get me out of here. They say, Lord, give me boldness while I'm in it. And that to me is a fascinating theological statement. And this word boldness is not just a boldness and courage to physically be someplace. The word boldness here is specific parousia, and it is talking about this idea of boldness in speech. 
It's actually a physical aspect of bold speech. One dictionary that I looked it up here was speaking about, it literally used the word freedom of speech and confidence in your speech. <laughs> I found that fascinating as we live in a country where freedom of speech is often championed and yet not publicly celebrated, especially in the tech companies today, right? There is constant silencing of opposing viewpoints and different ways our country is constantly trying to push aside those viewpoints that do not line up with the majority opinion. And so we, as the church, as the church of God, we are called to have boldness in our speech to preach the truth. The freedom of speech and the freedom that we have in this country is amazing, and we are thankful for it, that we can all gather here on a Sunday, and we can pr- boldly preach and preach the truth, no matter, and, and I'm not fearing anything that will happen, right? But, but there is an importance to preach in such a way that we're preaching truth, and we're preaching it in such a way that we're speaking the truth in love, seeking to help those. We don't, we don't pray to God saying, Lord, help me speak freely with that person who cut me off in traffic, you know? Lord, help me rip that person a new one in the comment section and bring to light their stupidity. You know, Uh, Lord, help me be free to uh, speak my mind wherever I go, even when people didn't ask for my opinion on this latest controversial hot topic, right? And I'm not sure why they're rejecting me. Um, And maybe it's perhaps we're just speaking in such a way that uh, really is not the boldness that we're speaking of here. We uh, need to put our foot in in our own mouth sometimes. Because the Bible does speak about being ready to have an answer to, to anyone who asks the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. There's a way of just being bold, but being stupid at the same time, right? But being bold in truth often will mean that there will be many people who will come against the truth of God's word when it is preached and when it is spoken freely. And that is one of the the goals that Acts tells us. The very last verse in Acts is Paul meeting with others and he is preaching and proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. And he's doing it without hindrance and with all boldness. (laughs) And it's an amazing statement. So in some ways, I know that we live in a time period where there is a lot pushing back against what the word of God says. And I believe as a church, it is important for us to be bold in our testimonies and in our words and in our lifestyles in a culture that is desperately needing truth. And for all of you to go into your life place, your life and your workplaces, and to preach with truth, but to do it with gentleness and respect and love. Because there may be a a day where in this country that there may be those who come against this church and the church as a whole and try to silence and stop the message of the gospel that comes from this pulpit. We've seen it throughout history and throughout many different countries. And here at Hope, I aim, and I know the elders aim, that we will preach the truth, the gospel of grace, forgiveness, and mercy in the name of Jesus Christ, no matter what, <laughs> that, that we will preach in the name of Jesus and we will continue to gather here no matter what comes against us. And that is something that we stand on as a team, as a group, as a church, that Lord, no matter what persecution may come now or 20 years from now or 50 years from now, let us have a boldness to never stop talking about the name of Jesus, <laughs> to never stop doing that no matter what may come 
against us. And so it then moves on to say, let us continue to preach. Let us continue to speak your word with boldness. And Lord, would you continue to work? Would you continue to send your spirit to heal? Would you continue to stretch out your hand and work signs and wonders that can verify the foundational message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is being planted in that early church and in that time? Lord, continue to move. Continue to heal. Continue to work. Continue to have your spirit work and move. May your spirit have freedom in this place is what they're praying. And may it all be done in the name of Jesus. Continue to work these signs and wonders. All for the glory of Jesus Christ. And then what's God's response? It's an extraordinary response. He responds by shaking the literal building that they're in and filling them with the spirit. For they've been baptized in the spirit. So many of them, they have been saved. They have been changed. And now for an extra measure of God's calling, he fills them for a task of ministry. That's often how we experience it in the Bible and in our own Christian lives. That we find a salvation cleansing, this baptism of the spirit that comes and changes us and makes us new. And then as we journey with the spirit through our lives, we're constantly praying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with what, with your spirit so that I may do what you have called me to do. Lord, today, would you fill me, as I pray often, to be able to preach the truth of God anew and afresh to a people. God, would you fill these people so that they understand and hear the word but not just hear it, but they go and do it. And often God will call you for something that seems very scary and difficult. It seems like an impossible task for you to accomplish. Yet it's in those moments that God will fill you with his spirit afresh and he will empower you to do whatever he has called you to do. This is the the pattern in which we follow and see today. And so we pray, Lord, would you fill me? Walk in that spirit. Let me be filled in that spirit so that I may accomplish whatever it is in front of me. Empower me for the ministry that you're placing upon me. That is the beauty of the spirit that continues in a journey and a relationship with him until he returns. So continue. Lord, help us to continue to preach with all boldness and pray with all boldness to pray to God that you would help us in all these things. And so what I want to close before we jump into the communion table here with, a, with a, an actual action step that you can continue to take. It's something we've been talking about. We've had a few action steps for you to actually take in the realm of, of knowing the gospel so that you can learn the gospel to share the gospel. There's action steps there on the back of the connect table. What we've done now, recently a few of the ladies have developed in the, in the hallway out there, you'll see it's the first Sunday it was installed, is a prayer wall. And this prayer wall has four different boxes there that we're wanting you to, pray, to write out your prayers and pray that prayer as you place it in the box. And so that visually we can begin to see over the next six months or so the different prayers that our church has as we place them in the box and it gives us a physical reminder of the prayer that we are constantly bringing before God. And I'm going to be using this kind of idea, we'll be describing it later in the future, the word Acts, because I hope it will remember us to pray. This is the study in Acts that we're doing, Acts, the movement begins, but Acts also serves as a helpful reminder of what prayer can be. Acts, the A, stands for adoration, let me adore God in my prayers. C stands for confession, let me confess, Lord, where I don't measure up, but I know your grace has covered me from that. Uh, T, A-C-T, the word T is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, Lord, let me give you thanks in my prayers. Thank you for the things that you've given me. And then supplication. 
word supplication is let me make a petition or a request on your behalf. Let me request, humbly come before the king of kings and request that you would heal uh, my brother or sister, that you would help me for this task. Lord, that you would uh, give me what it is I need. Lord, we pray requests to God. And so our prayers should be filled of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication. So this is just one word among many others that help to inform our prayers. And so you can go in that back in that table and you can write out a prayer. You can put it in one of those boxes and remind yourself, okay, I'm going to be adoring God with this prayer today. Lord, I am grateful for your greatness and your sovereignty and power. Lord, help me though because I need your help in this work atmosphere. I don't I need a job, I'm not sure what to do or where to go. Lord, would you answer this request of prayer? And so we write that in and we place it in. There's no spiritual power in placing any of those in a box, but it does give us a physical reminder and a physical action of saying, I'm gonna put an action to the prayer that I desire for this church to be praying. And hopefully as a church and a people, we can continually be lifting our thoughts and our prayers up to God. So at this moment, we're gonna be coming before the communion table to wrap all this up. So I'm going to close in prayer before we head to the table and remind ourselves that it is the resurrection, it is the cross of Jesus Christ, these central elements that give us the very purpose as to why we are here this morning, the very purpose as to why we've gathered here this morning. And this is so central to all the things that we do here, this communion table. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these words. We ask God you'd be glorified, you'd be lifted high. We praise your name today. We thank God of, of how we tend to consider so many other things above you. But God, would you remind us today of your sovereignty and your power and control? God, I get worried a lot. I, I get anxious a lot. I get frustrated. God, would you help me to trust you, to rest in your sovereign power? God, I don't fully understand everything and I don't have to. Because I can rest, rest knowing that I can trust you. And you are trustworthy. And today, God, we pray to you, trusting you, resting in you, and looking back. Looking back at what you did on the cross and your resurrection power that is now with us today. As we also simultaneously look forward to your return. We thank you for the communion table and what it represents. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so at this time, the elders are going to come forward and deacons to dispense the elements. The rest of you, would you please stand with me to partake in communion? If you're visiting with us today, uh, you're new to this church, we welcome you to participate with us in communion. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you trust in him, we ask that you would join in our family meal today. This communion table that is open to all who profess the name of Jesus Christ. And it's in that profession that we publicly proclaim together this faith that we hold, a faith together as one.
before we partake, would you just repeat with me the words of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you and we praise you, God, today. As we say each month, we remember you both in this physical act, yet a, a spiritual reality that we participate in this morning. Thank you, God, for your spirit that unites us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died and is resurrected, Lord and ruler above all. And Father in heaven, thank you for your sovereign power over all these things. Help us to trust you today. Empower these people, God. Give us your spirit in a fresh way, Lord. Help us to be filled with your spirit speak with all boldness the truth of your word and this gospel life-changing message we praise you for it we ask god you'd be glorified thank you god for your sanctifying and justifying power upon us today be with these people in your name in jesus name amen